They can say whatever they want to say, but if they block swift action on an economic recovery plan, I believe they're either uninformed about the dire straits that we're in in this nation, or they're uncaring. Hi, you're listening to NPR's Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum in Washington, D.C. And I'm Laura Conway in New York City. It's Friday, January 9th. It's about 2.40 p.m., and that was Senator Barbara Boxer you just heard. Later on in the podcast, we're going to give you the answer to a puzzle that we posted on our blog. And the question is, where are all the U.S. dollars? Because it turns out most of them are sort of missing. Like the ones that are not in my wallet. And we're going to get to the Planet Money Indicator in just a minute. But first, we want to ask for your help. Our colleague Adam Davidson emailed us this morning about the 2008 Weblog Awards. These are where people get to vote for the best podcast of the year. And we don't really care about awards. Our mothers do, but we don't particularly. But there was something about this email from Adam that really made us all snap to attention. Which is that we are losing to the Harry podcast muggle cast. (laughs) (laughs) And I am sure that the Harry podcast muggle cast is an excellent podcast and we wish them well. But we want them to come in second place. So if you don't mind, please go and vote. You don't have to register anything. Just go click. And actually, I'm going to do it on this computer because I think you can do it once per computer per 24-hour period. Not that we looked it up or anything like that. We're going to post a link on the blog or you can just Google Weblog Awards. We have a big uh, economic planet money indicator today. Yes, it's a really big one. The Labor Department released its official unemployment numbers today. We've been talking about these numbers. They've been coming all week. People have been waiting for this day. Here are the numbers. In the month of December, another 524,000 people lost their jobs. The Labor Department also adjusted downward its numbers from back in October and November made both of them worse. In November, we lost about 50,000 more jobs than previously thought. So, of course, the unemployment rate is going up. It was 6.8%. It's now 7.2%, the highest it has been since January 1993. And, you know, that's a pretty big jump for a single month. That's a really big jump. You have to look hard to find a silver lining in that. There is a little bit of good news. Yesterday on the podcast, we told you that Bloomberg was reporting that short-term lending markets, what's called the commercial paper market, we talk about that a lot on this podcast. It's basically where banks or big big companies go if they need to borrow a lot of money uh, on a short-term basis just to kind of keep the cash flow going. Um, Things were looking a little better there. They're back to pre-September 15th levels, which was before uh, where they were basically when before Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, before the whole massive credit crisis we've been reporting on really got started. So we figured it was a good time to check in with our favorite interbank lending desk, Tradition Asial Securities. So our colleague Adam called up Will Aston Reese, a trader there, to find out what's going on. So, Will, I, I guess the credit crisis is over. Everything's back to normal. Oh, huh? yeah. Go out, get your mortgages. Everybody, banks are lending money for free. Just line up at the trough. I, I'm, am I sensing some, some sarcasm? Uh, you're picking up on that, are you? Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so what's going on? Bloomberg said that commercial paper lending is back to September 10th levels. And uh, listeners to Planet Money know that September 15th is when Lehman Brothers declared bankruptcy. The next day, the money market funds uh, just poured out of commercial paper, out of short-term lending. And you, as we know, because we talked to you a lot, um, saw basically absolutely no business. There was money. There was no money moving between banks. What, what's it like now? Well, the last time we spoke, I told you that you know we started to see people start uh, starting to line up a little bit more in uh, dibble and dab, and, and that trend is uh, continuing. We're, we are seeing more buying. We're seeing more size going on. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of curve risk being taken, meaning we're not seeing people buy out much beyond six months. Uh, but in the two- and three-month area, uh, where you can still get yields over 1%, uh, we're actually seeing some pretty good flows of, of money into that area. And, well... And, Will, I just want to, just a quick, as plant money, we always try and explain the terminology. I mean, basically, when a bank has money to lend or, or, or some money market fund or something has money to lend to another bank, they are worried about that other bank going belly up. And so the longer they lend it to the other bank, you know, three months or six months or, or nine months, the longer it is, the more time that bank has to go belly up. So right. banks that are worried, that are nervous, lend overnight or for a week or for a month rather than for three months or six months or nine months. Right. Exactly right. There's, you know, I, I think I called it curve risk. It's, it's more of time risk. You know, obviously, the longer you're invested with someone who might be of shaky credit quality, the more risk you're taking on that, that something is going to happen to that investment. Right. If you say, let me borrow 20 bucks till tomorrow, I might be a little more trusting than if you say, let me borrow 20 bucks and for three months. Right. Well, I would never lend you 20 bucks, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be wise to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, when you say a lot of flows, you mean a lot of money. Yes. Um, you, when you say a lot of money, you mean a lot of money. I mean, billions of dollars is a typical day for you. Um, are we back to pre-September, pre-crisis levels? Well, in terms of CD investing, no. Uh, we are seeing some people putting a decent amount of money uh, down in terms, you know, 500. Uh, I think we actually did a, a, a billion of one name in three months today. It's more, the, the money flows are a little bit more temperate. So while we may be seeing a certain number of trades, we're not seeing a certain number of volume, meaning we're seeing 15 to 20 trades a day where we were seeing two to three before. However, we're not seeing billion-dollar trades. We're seeing 100s and 200s. 100 million, occasion, 200 million. Yes, with and, the occasional 500. And, and I uh, know I, for most of us, you hear $100 million. It sounds like a lot of money. But at an interbank lending trading desk like yours, that's really, well, it's chump change. Right. So uh, so basically, if, if, if short-term lending isn't happening, the economy is, is effectively dead. But short-term lending starting again doesn't mean the the economy is ready to jump up and dance. It's, right. We it's, still but it's, it's, it is a, a start, though. Right. Right. It's a start. OK. So 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 with some I mean, I guess from the generally incredibly depressing news you usually give us, this is a slightly upbeat. <laughs> you know, and it's like I'm such a happy go lucky guy, too. Isn't that strange? <laughs> it is true. All right. Well, Aston Reese, uh, interbank lending trader for Tradition Asia Securities. Thanks so much, man. Oh, you're welcome, Adam. It was good talking to you as always. David, you also promised listeners an answer to that puzzler. 
Right. So we posted this on the blog. And the question is, where is all the U.S. currency? Right. If you open up your wallet, not always mine, but if you open yours, there probably is some cash there. But if we add up all the money in everyone's wallets... It's way, 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 way less than the total amount of dollars we know are out there. So I talked to Richard Porter about this. He's an economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. There's something like $900 billion of currency in circulation. Yeah, it's more in the hands of the public. It's more like 800, so... Okay, 800 billion. And the population of the United States is 300 million, right? Yep. So that's like between two and $3,000 per person, yep. including every baby. Yep. Which doesn't make sense. Right. No, and it hasn't made sense for quite a while. And I've written on this subject, uh, spent a lot of time thinking about this subject. Another guy who has thought about this is Ken Rogoff. He's an economist at Harvard. The first thing to know is of that $800 billion, more than 60% of it's in $100 bills. And when you opened your wallet, did you have any $100 bills? I'd guess not. No. They don't give them at the ATM machines. Right. Who's – do you see people at the supermarket using $100 bills? No. I mean occasionally but basically no. Uh, so where is all the money? And the authorities have been wondering that for a long time. Right. So where is all the cash? Let's take a few seconds and we can all think about it. Okay, pencils down. So one answer you might have, one of the things I thought of, was uh, cash registers. So what about cash registers? Okay, survey says, is it cash registers? The short answer is cash registers have only a very small percentage of it that you know, they account for a couple percent of the total. It's not big at all. Another possibility you might wonder about, banks. You know, they have ATM machines. They have those huge vaults. So what about banks? So indeed, uh, banks are holding some cash and it adds a little bit, but they're not storing gigantic amounts in, in, in the bank. I mean, if you think about it, uh, there's a bank in my neighborhood that for some reason gets robbed periodically and they did again. <laughs> and the person made off with $2,000. I mean, okay, that's great, $2,000, but that, that, that the whole bank was holding $2,000. <laughs> so clearly it's not in the banks. So where is all the money? Well, Richard Porter has an answer for where a chunk of it is. It's outside the U.S. So what is it doing outside the U.S.? Well, it's, it's, it's basically mostly used as a store of value. Like farmers in Argentina just decided they'd, be pay, they'd rather be paid in dollars than in the local currency. And uh, so people ended up stashing a lot of dollars, and both in Argentina and Russia. The last time I made an estimate, which is ages ago for Argentina, but they had uh, something on the order close approaching $50 billion of U.S. dollars, mostly, you know, in mattresses or safety deposit boxes or, you know, somewhere like that, which they just used to protect their savings. But according to Porter's work and the work of others, this does not explain everything. So maybe half of the U.S. dollars are overseas. We have a little in our pockets, a little in bank safes. That still leaves hundreds of billions of dollars unaccounted for. So either there is a lot more overseas than we think, or it's actually here 
in the United States under our noses. Ken Rogoff thinks that's the case. He thinks a lot of it is in what's called the underground economy. That may make you think of drug dealers with suitcases full of cash, but he says much more common is probably people using it for transactions so they do not have to pay taxes. Rogoff says this explanation makes sense because if you look at other countries, they also have a lot of unaccounted for currency. And it's not like the Japanese yen gets much use outside of the country. So it's got to be inside their country. He thinks it's being used by people often avoiding taxes. At weddings, you just you don't give the couple a check. You give them an envelope stuffed with 10,000 yen notes. Uh, it's just much more common to use cash. In Europe, uh, they use cash a lot. Germany had a 1,000 mark bill, uh, and now the euro, they have 500 euro notes. The euro is worth more than a dollar. So that's something like a $700 note. And people will go in and buy a car with uh, euro notes. And then not pay taxes uh, on it? Is that the and, idea? And, and it, 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 it has to link to not paying taxes at, at the end. So you, you find countries all over the world where they have these this, the, basically the same structure as the U.S. There's a lot of cash per person. Bizarrely, it's being held in these giant notes and they can't account for it. So Ken Rogoff and Richard Porter disagree about this part a bit. And it's understandably a sensitive topic with the government because if a significant chunk of all U.S. currency is being used in illegal activity, well, shouldn't somebody be doing something about that? Maybe we should get rid of those large denomination dollar bills. I gather from my friends inside the Treasury that uh, Bob Rubin, the Treasury Secretary, you know, held a meeting about whether we should have a $500 bill, but it was talked out of it. If Rogoff is right, and a lot of the U.S. bills are in the underground economy, he says there are reasons you might actually not want that to change too suddenly. Because if all the drug dealers and tax evaders stopped using the dollar and switched to the euro or something, that would actually be a blow to the U.S. economy. And the reason is sort of complicated, but basically the U.S. government loves it when people use our currency. The Fed actually profits when people use U.S. cash. The mechanism is something called seniorage, and it's sort of complicated to get into here. So we'll post something about it on our blog, along with a link to some of the research trying to figure out where all the missing cash is. Hey, David, do you remember that person who called into the Economist house call that time, and she had literally been laid off the night before? Yeah, she called actually for a consultation with Simon Johnson. And then before we could get to her, she lost her job. And when we called, she said she'd just lost her job. Yeah, her name is Sophia Suhu. She was working as an intern architect in Portland, Oregon. I checked in with Sophia again today. The new unemployment numbers had come out, of course, and I really wanted to see how 7.2% looked to her. Is she finding any work at all? Not like she did in the last recession. It's funny. After after 9-11, it was difficult to find a job. And at that time, because I was only a couple of years in my career, it was still easy for me to get a job not in my career. So in 2002, I was working in retail part-time uh, part and working um, at a truck accessory company doing marketing part-time. What kind of accessory? Um, truck? Tra- truck accessories, which is kind of ironic because I don't know how to drive. You mean like mud flaps so, and stuff? Um, they, were st- they were selling like cargo pullouts. Okay. And the- <laughs> it's just okay. kind of like a weird... But, um, but it... it uh, at that time, 
you know, it people were willing to take a chance on me because I wasn't, you know, so deep in my career. And so now 10 years into it, when I apply for jobs, and I have been applying for jobs not in my field, like marketing, admin, um, management type of stuff, I'm getting zero responses or a response, you know, the next day saying, you know, your resume is impressive, but it's not going to work out. So at this point, it's it's a it's making me very nervous because I am no longer even being considered for you know some of the lower wage jobs. David, I have to say that would make me nervous too if I couldn't find even the the low wage jobs. The last time unemployment was this high, I personally scraped through by tending bar and temping around. And this one job I had, I, I worked in a basement sticking barcodes on magnetic tapes for a big railroad in California. Really? Yeah. It paid It paid the rent. Okay. Well, right now I'm making a living working on this podcast. I think we just finished another one. Do not, Planet Money listeners, forget to vote for us in the 2008 Weblog Awards. Don't let the Harry Podcast Mugglecast make Adam cry. Don't let them win. No. The link's on our blog, npr.org slash money. I'm Laura Conaway, and I'm going to win this thing. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening. Go for credit in the street.